Welcome back to Green Book Conversations. If you haven't listened to the first episode yet, you can find a link in the description. It's day two at Sourcing and Magic, and the pace has picked up. We met a lot of new brands, answered a lot of questions, and realized we need to get with the times and download Instagram. So, for someone like me, I am launching a company this year. What are some tips or feedback? I was like asking, I was like, I don't even really know what sustainable apparel technically means. We're learning about sustainability, you guys gotta learn about social media. Uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's the way. There's all this and more ahead, but first, I'm gonna start with the first conversation we had of the day, a hairdresser looking to improve her industry. Are we live? We are live. Oh, okay. My name's Linda Alvarado. I've been in the business for hairdressing for 40 plus years. So I've been wanting to design my own salon wear company using sustainable products, um, fabrics, but the challenge has been trying to find a sustainable fabric that is also color and bleach safe as what's possible. A, what's a salon apron usually made out of? It's usually made out of um, polyester, rayon, nylon, anything that's going to repel chemicals. Part of the challenge was trying to find aprons that fit well. And then from the fitting wealth, knowing that, you know, the material that's being used is not sustainable. And so that kind of morphed into, well, why don't I design my own line of aprons that are sustainable, threading that's sustainable, cutting capes, color capes, and client smocks. And so that's just like the basis of my line. I already have about four prototypes for the aprons, and I'd like to be able to create a salon wear line where the stylist can put on like a puffer jacket and it will be sustainable and color and bleach safe. So if they're doing hair and they're kind of cold, they don't have to worry about their clothes getting damaged because our clothes get damaged all the time, especially the sleeves. If we're applying color, we get color and it ruins our clothes. So anything that I can make sustainable but bleach and color safe is going to be the biggest challenge. I have found some sustainable fabric and I have... Um, resourced a company that will treat sustainable fabric that will make the fabric bleach and color safe but that's an additional cost on top of just manufacturing it in general and it is done in a very green way um i forget the name of let me look here in my in my little book um file here oh I can't I can't find it maybe I left it at the hotel but it's a company that I found that tr will treat the fabric in a very sustainable eco-friendly way to make it bleach and color safe so I'm kind of going in two different directions trying to find something sustainable but avoiding the extra treatment if I could find it or I'm going to have to buy a sustainable fabric and then ship it out, have it treated, and then sent back to the manufacturer for cut and sew. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, it, I might be pricing myself out of the market. Um, an apron in my industry can go from anywhere between, let's say, $35, max 60 but 45 would be a comfort. 
obviously you're thinking about the fabric and the treatment of right. the fabric. Right. And is there other things on the horizon that you've thought about introducing to yes. your line? Oh, yes, absolutely. I'd like to be able to introduce like socks, you know, with fun scissors or, you know, just oh, fun. a line because socks are really in. They're very popular. And to have a line dedicated to the beauty industry, because in the industry as a hairdresser, we focus so much on making our clients feel beautiful cutting their hair, coloring their hair. Um, and I want to focus the attention of the aprons, any type of apparel that I can make, um, socks, caps, whatever, for the beauty industry. So that when we're wearing them, we're like, oh, I look so cute. You know, or oh, I'm so fashionable. Or, you know, or wow, I'm really helping the earth by using something that's sustainable. So that's important to me, but it's been challenging. The sustainability and bleaching color safe combined in the fabric is going to be really challenging. And I'm not sure yet on how much the cost is going to be. I've never thought about that. You think denim and bleach washed and, and you wouldn't take that to think about like how aprons are treated right. and right. hair salon clothing. Yeah. I mean, our clothes get ruined all the time. I wear a pair of pants and I might be wearing an apron. But let's say the apron's too narrow and the bleach gets on the part that is not protected. My pants are gone. They're done. Or like they'll fall on shoes and the shoes get stained. And you can't see when they fall. You see only when they start to develop. Like when the color starts to develop and it's sitting on your clothes, it's not until you get home that you say, oh my gosh, I just ruined a good pair of shoes or a brand new blouse. So I'm even thinking maybe like, easy sleeves that can be put on just while applying color or while shampooing to protect you know the the clothing on a long sleeve outfit i don't know if you mentioned it before do you have a name for your line well i do have a name but i'm thinking about changing it <laughs> yeah i've gone through like five six different names um so the, the name currently is lindy ray but the name that i've had as a hairdresser is balabala stylus and i have i've had that for like 25 plus years. We're back in Colorado from our trip in Las Vegas. When we were back there, we talked to a couple of people making athletic wear. Specifically, it looked like they were into the bodybuilder side of things. And me, as someone that doesn't know too much about the world of fashion, I never really realized that bodybuilder apparel was kind of its own thing until I was confronted with that. And so I heard you had experience in that. Why don't you talk about it a little bit? It, it's a very interesting problem to think about or challenge to think about. If you think about what a bodybuilder looks like, they're built very differently than the rest of us, right? And so to have clothing that fits them, they're not able to buy clothing off the rack. And they have obviously very, very big shoulders. They have very big necks. They have big arms. They have big thighs. They have small waists. And so for them to go out and buy a shirt off the rack that would fit them they're going to the big and tall store, although most of them aren't particularly tall. And so it, the shirt will fit their shoulders and just completely swallows them everywhere else. And so we had a customer come to us who uh, was in this world and had a passion for creating clothes that 
people who do bodybuilding can look really great in in clothing that will actually fit their bodies. And so it was definitely an interesting process, an interesting math and geometry challenge when it came to the pattern making to turn 2D shapes into clothing that would actually fit these people with these unusually shaped bodies very well and make them look and feel great. And it kind of is interesting. There's a lot more segments like that than we generally think about. Most of us can go to the store and buy clothing off the rack, but even then, uh, particularly if you're a woman, you've probably noticed that this brand fits you well and this brand does not. And it's because all brands sort of have their own special fit models and their own special body type that their core customers are. And Bodybuilders is an example that just takes that to the extreme. And so it's all about crafting clothing from a fit and a best practices point of view that will fit all of these special niche areas. My name is Sam Wright. I represent a company called Desire Is Everything, where we really just believe in teaching people how to discover what they desire most and cultivate that and be able to learn how to share that, your desires with the world. We are looking to get into a more athletic apparel. My son is an 18-year-old bodybuilder. His name is Desan Wright. And we're really just looking to scale up and just share our business and our vision with the world. My name is Levante Parchment with Five Gear Apparel. Um, what our mission with Five Gear Apparel is for people like yourself that you know are behind the cameras, behind the scenes, I call it a brand built by bodies. So they always forget about us behind the scene doing the work. So that's pretty much what we target. We want to get that out there. You can find us on Instagram at Figear Apparel. Direct to source is a lot about sustainability, sustainable manufacturing and all that stuff. Have you guys considered any like sustainable manufacturing or shipping or anything like that that might factor into your brand? At this point, I have not, but I do believe in anything that's good for the environment, that's good for humanity. We are about supporting those things. No comment on that, really. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of go by like build up to it. Right, and it's not sustainable if your brand's gonna crash, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's even something maybe you look at down the road. You're set up, you're established, and then you decide, hey, I want my bodybuilder shorts or my bodybuilder sweats to be made out of recycled plastic. Or even in shipping, we've talked to some people about poly bags. So poly bags are like the plastic sheets that stuff used to get shipped in. Mm-hmm. So there's people that are sourcing 60% recycled plastic poly bags. There's even some decomposable ones. Mm-hmm. It's not just, is the stuff I make recycled plastic it's how does it ship where am i getting it from what's the labor that i'm getting it from is there anything like that that maybe you would think about yeah i say definitely that would be um something i'm I'm willing to learn about as soon as possible and like i said as we scale and and continue to you know add more value to the world i mean why not try something like that sure Sustainability is a little different to everybody, Mm -hmm. right? To some people, it means ethical. To some people, it means compostable. To some people, it means apparel needs to be recycled. All of those are good answers because we're working towards a better future. Mm -hmm. And you got to admit, we're in the apparel industry to sell clothes, right? Right. So that's at odds with a certain level of sustainability all by itself. Mm -hmm. So let's just be honest with each other, right? Let's make great clothes. They're going to serve your customers and make it better because we're all on this path together. You know, there's places in India... Not so much now because it's getting better, right? We're all on the journey. But, you know, you knew what color clothes that the mill was dying because that's what color the river would be. Mm. And people are getting their water out of that river and their animals are drinking out of that river and they're washing their clothes and the kids are playing in that river. And so if we can make some better decisions and use a mill that has a good water treatment plant so the waters they're releasing is safe, 
shouldn't we? I think the one thing that people don't do is when they wake up in the morning and say, how can I impact the world today? And how can I add value? And that's something that our companies definitely are looking to, to do every day is how can we help change the world? And so I would love to at some point partner with you guys and, and figure out a way to do that together. Love to. And it's all about the attitude, right? It's all about we're all in this together. Right. We're all going to make it better together or we're going to make it worse. And so let's just choose to be better. I agree. Do you guys have any social media? No. Not really. This idea is born here today. That'd be a good thing to have behind the brand, you know. So. Telling you, we gotta get into that. <laughs> it's huge. It's <Seems> daunting. <laughs> <laughs> gotta join in. <laughs> Trust me, you want more people to come to you. Social media is the way. It's the way. We're learning about sustainability. You guys got to learn that's about right. social media. Yeah, that's fair. I'm telling that's you, fair. it's the way. It's the way. Don't fight it. So something else that we were talking about before was purpose-built apparel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of a personal passion of mine. Um, I started off in this industry 33 years or so ago now, and I was an assistant designer and a pattern maker. And I worked for a company that made dresses specifically for JCPenney. I think we only sold to JCPenney. And JCPenney back then was one of the largest retailers and had a number of different, different divisions. And we had a number of designers that worked with the various areas of JCPenney. And there was an area in JCPenney catalog that was making specialty apparel for the elderly and arthritic, people who had trouble opening buttons or zippers or things like that. And nobody wanted to work on the project. So I got to work on it. I was super stoked, right, being a young person, not too many years out of school, and really wrapped my head around that interesting challenge of, okay, how do we make a shirt that's going to look like everybody else's shirt, but it's easy. You don't have tiny buttons to unbutton. And how does it, how can that function for hands that don't function as well anymore? Um, it was really one of my favorite subjects in, in college, even when I was in design school, um, learning about the spacesuits that the astronauts and all of the technology that went into those. We, we had to do specialty purpose-built projects in that class, which I really enjoyed. And it's just something I've always enjoyed because it's a mental challenge, right, to figure out how do you make this different? How do you make this special? How do you make it work for a person that has special needs, whatever those needs might be? Um, with DTS, we did another project a couple years ago uh, that was a, a group of doctors. And they go around the world and they help children and young people who have bladder issues. So they're going and doing surgeries to to rectify some of these problems. But a lot of these kids have incontinence issues. And so when you're in Africa and you can't go to school because you're 12 and you have incontinence issues and diapers are not readily available and that's also gets a little weird as they get older. Um, and so solving a problem of creating an underwear that can um, be used by these young kids and, and older kids that are incontinent, that's something that will function in that environment, something that is reusable, washable, will hold up over a long time, and will not look to anybody like they're wearing anything other than normal clothing. So that was another project that we um, got to work on a couple years ago that we were just super stoked. And, and not only from the creative application perspective, but you know, helping people do good, doing good with apparel. It just was another way to, to fully live out our mission of people, planet, profits. 
So after that, we talked about, we talked to Panda Biotech about their new hemp processing facility. That was super cool. I don't know a ton about hemp processing. I know that, you know, hemp has a lot of great environmental qualities. It's very sustainable. It's very, you can use virtually every part of the plant. It's very easy to grow. Um, It has some really great potential. Hemp, like many things that come into fabric early on, the performance has been kind of crummy so far. Um, Like, you know, you have hemp pants and, you know, by... Two hours after putting them on, you you know it looks like you've been bending down all day. You have your knees are bagging out or whatever. But um, you know these new folks putting in this hemp farm are looking at the realities of the characteristics of the hemp and how that becomes a fiber and how they can blend that with other fibers so that you get the sustainability of hemp and you get the performance that you need by blending it with cotton or lycra or other fibers. And I'm fascinated to see what they do. I think that's a really exciting new addition to our industry here in the U.S. Does direct-to-source process in hemp? We don't pro- We don't actually process the fibers. We're working with um, the mills that do that. Um, we have not sown a lot of hemp. Hemp is not grown in Central America. We're still very concerned in Central America about the drug trade. And hemp, um, and we've even been, been concerned right here in the U.S. That's why it took so long to even be able to legally grow hemp in the U.S. Um, so it's still a concern. And so we are not growing hemp in Central America. But, you know, it's not a problem actually to send it down and sew it. And we have another customer that we're working on some hemp products with that's hemp and blended with organic cotton. So um, not a fiber that we're growing in Central America. I don't really see that changing anytime in the near future. But if we can get that fiber in the U.S. and send it down, that's fantastic because we're so close. My name is Dixie Carter, and I'm president of Panda Biotech. And I've got my associate, Scott Evans. And our company is building the largest industrial hemp processing facility specifically for textiles. We're doing it out of Wichita Falls, Texas. We've got a 500,000 square foot facility, 11 acres under roof, and we are going to be processing hemp fiber and working with uh, spinning mills all over the world and right now working with some of the biggest brands and, you know, global names in apparel. Wow. Yeah. So do you guys get fabrics in and spin the hemp into the fabrics? How does that work? So we take in the hemp straw, essentially the stalk of the hemp plant, and then we decorticate that to isolate fiber from the herd. And then we bale that fiber and sell it as cotton would be sold to various spinning mills across the world. So the hemp, it's interesting because it takes you know 70% less water than cotton. It's antimicrobial, it's fire resistant, it's uh, one of the most carbon neutral, more than any crop or forestry product in the world. Our uh, first phase of our facility is like taking 100,000 cars off the road, and it remediates the soil. So we're, you know, we're processing it with all renewable energy. We're keeping an incredibly clean, sustainable, all the way from farm, which will be the most traceable uh, hemp in the world. We're working with Oritane all the way through our production processes. So working with multiple spinning mills right now, and like we said, developing uh, you know different fabrics and and prototypes with a lot of different uh, major brands. So I talked to someone earlier that was using bamboo-based fabric because of the antimicrobial properties of it. Would you say is, is hemp pretty much the same in that regard? Yeah, I don't know the antimicrobial properties of bamboo, but 
the way they extract bamboo fiber, it doesn't come off the plant as a fiber. It has to go through a chemical and an extrusion process where our fiber is decorticated and naturally as it's on the stalk becomes that fiber. There's no chemicals, no water, nothing needed. So it's truly a very eco-friendly and sustainable alternative to some of these other natural base but synthetically made fibers such as bamboo. You guys export the fibers yet. What else do you do? Well, we take 100% of the uh, hemp stalk and even the little bit of dust that comes off, we briquette that and make cattle feed. The herd is uh, made and the, the woody inner core is made into, right now we've got a buyer for all of our herd for uh, premium animal bedding. So we use 100% of the plant and the fiber that comes from the plant we're working with, spinning mills in um, Bangladesh and Pakistan and India and Japan and Peru, Mexico, all over Mexico and the United States. So, you know, everyone around the globe is looking for ways to make the apparel industry more sustainable. And it blends beautifully, not just with cotton, but polyester, tinsel, anything. And so, you know, any anything that we're blending in, whatever percentage we're blending in, that that apparel good and item is that much more sustainable. 20%, 30%, 50%, whatever the blend is. I guess I don't know the maximum blend you could go. Could you make like 100% hemp Well, I'm actually wearing a 100% jacket, hemp jacket, made by Mara Hoffman. And I've got uh, Lucky Brand jeans on that are about a 26% hemp blend. So, you know, it's it can be anywhere in between. We know like Patagonia and Orvis and... A lot of companies are at 55 hemp, 45 cotton. And, you know, we're working with denim companies right now that are working up to 30, 33% hemp blend. So, wow. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever heard about denim hemp blend before. I, I don't think I've heard of a fabric that blends. We think with that's, denim that's the lowest hanging fruit, honestly. I mean, if you're in the denim business, it's the easiest blend. You can use mechanically cottonized fiber, it does not have to be degum, so it's even a stronger, sustainable story, more affordable fiber and um, just blends beautifully. Like you can't, you can't when you have the jeans on, you can't tell the difference. Uh, but you're bringing a, a completely grown in the USA, processed in the USA. If it's spun in, in Mexico or the United States, it's in the Americas. So it's a really great story. People want with the supply chain issues and the nearshoring. I mean, this we're hopeful this will bring a lot more people back to American fiber and, and processing here. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us. This has been episode two of Green Book Conversations. We had a few more talks during day two of Sourcing a Magic at Las Vegas, including a golf and surfing startup that you can tune in for in the next episode. Green Book Conversations is powered by Direct-to-Source. I'm Dylan Gibson. Thanks for listening.